there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Hey, Green Future Growers. Did you get your copy of the Organic Gardener podcast, Garden Journal, and Record Keeper? One of the things that I've learned to be most beneficial for my guests that will save you time and energy is to keep detailed records of your garden journey. So I think I finally found the secret and made a garden journal data keeper that starts any day of the year because uh, you just fill it in. It's blank. There's no calendar. So you just it's got the days of the week. You can record temperature, freeze dates, frost dates, um, when you planted, what variety you got all in one place. So get your copy of the Organic Gardener podcast, Garden Journal, and Data Keeper today. Welcome to the Organic Gardener podcast today. I am just super excited. So it's Thursday, December 27th when we're recording this. And I have an old friend from high school on the line who is a little bit new to gardening, but has been having some great experiences. And she's a teacher too. So she's going to be a natural educator. And I know you're just going to learn a ton. So welcome to the show today, Nicole Houlihan. Thank, thank you, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us and sharing on your vacation. I know teachers are always busy, but I know you know how important it is to share knowledge. So go ahead and tell listeners like a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'm a, an elementary school teacher for 21 years on Long Island. And uh, I've always been a renter. I've always loved to rent. I say I'm like the best renter you can ever have. And then at 47, I bought a house with my husband and my daughter and when we bought the house, we, in our price range, we had to look very carefully to make sure there were no huge structural problems. We wanted unusual things like a workshop for my husband and shed and a garage that were just skimming our price range. So I didn't look at all at the garden when we bought the house, the landscaping. And I also kind of thought it was pretty funny when I saw in an ad, landscaping, ready, uh, top of the line landscaping, old growth plants. I, I thought that was a funny thing to put in until we bought our house December 31st. I never looked outside until the spring. My daughter went to kick a ball and there was some kind of thorn bush that took up about 20 feet. And I realized, what did I get into? And that's how I got into gardening. <laughs> we had to do land clearing first. And I never expected to be clearing land in my 40s. So that was a shock. <laughs> so, um, well, you were telling me a little bit about this, that you actually had to have like people come in your husband, you were joking about your husband getting a chainsaw and then you ended up having six guys come in with machetes. And yes. Like this is like a big, this is we not had, just some little rose no. bush in the backyard with thorns on it. This is a major no, this thing, was, right? There was an invasive vine that was killing trees. Uh, there was, it was so thick. Some of the roots were as thick as a leg. They were very deep into the ground. I had some friends come over who knew about gardening, and they said everything from you'll never get rid of it to it will cost $35,000 to get rid of. And I think that was the best thing they could have said to us is you'll never get rid of it because uh, an Irishman, my husband's from Ireland, was <laughs> took it on as a challenge. And it took us about three years to get all of it. And the reason we were able to get all of it was our neighbors who were infected with the same vine, we worked together on it. 
we got rid of the fence between our properties and we just worked together to get rid of this very invasive vine. Uh, we had to bundle it and tie it up so that it would be taken by the garbage collectors. It wasn't easy to do, but it was very worth it. However, once you clear land, then you have these big spaces and you have to put something in them. So that also, I realized, oh, now I have to figure out what kind of plants to buy. So it was a, it was a project. And you have such a lovely tiered garden. When I was here in June, we got to come over for your solstice party and yes. see it. And it's just the way you designed it is because it's kind of like, I don't know, is it on a hill? I guess I never yes, went it, out in the garden. But my, my husband did it. And it was very clever because we have a, a garden or backyard that's sloped. And he took full advantage of that. He put in um, stones, big stones, to, to create these three tiers he also uh, put in cement steps so that it's very easy to access the garden. And I think that's a big key of whatever garden you have that it's very easy to access uh, in a way that you're not stepping over the plants that you have. Uh, you're not in danger. Like you're not going to fall because this was a very sloped area. And if it weren't handled in those tiers, I don't think we would have been able to handle the area as well as we have. And it looks lovely. Thank you. Uh, thanks to him. <laughs> that part was him. Absolutely. Okay. So I do always start the show asking about your very first gardening experience. You know, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Like, I remember you guys having a garden Jackie, when I was had... a kid across the hall. Did you grow no, vegetables we and no things? No, garden, Jackie. It was like the scary home that... <laughs> We no no we because we had the home where everybody left their bicycles on the lawn. Like, they could leave well, them there overnight. No one cared. Yeah. So we you know my mother was not a gardener. My father was not a gardener. I you know I think I really came into it very late in life. And well, I think that's going to be inspiring that you did come into it late in life. You can do then... anything you want any point in your life if you really want to. So it you know your body might not work as well, <laughs> but you can do it. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. So, yeah, I am too. So then, and then how did you, you were telling me all about the mulch and the soil. Yes. Like, how did you learn about the organic gardening piece of it? Well, no, my husband just said no chemicals. Uh, we don't want to put any chemicals uh, even in any part of the lawn because they could run down into where we're growing vegetables. And that seemed to make sense to me. Of course, you have to do a lot more weeding that way. Um, and that's a that's a pain, but it's worth it. It's also cheaper, which appeals to me. And we, I have a daughter, so I wanted her to see how a garden grows, how vegetables, where vegetables actually come from, the cycle of growing, um, the dormant period, uh, this excitement of spring when certain flowers, the first flowers come up. I wanted her to see that whole cycle, which I hadn't really experienced myself. So it was a great, a great time that first year when we started we started with tulips and we just love that the colors and watching it come up explaining to her planting the bulbs in the fall that would come up in the spring it was it was a very good lesson i thought and, and i think one thing that gardening teaches you is patience uh, you have sure. to be a very patient you know you get and you have to you have do. faith that you're not going to get a return on everything that you do but if you're hitting around 80 percent or whatever that number is it's very worth the effort and the uh -huh. other thing that I learned was patient was pacing myself we couldn't clear that whole property in one year although we thought we could 
at first we were hoping we could uh but we i said well we're gonna do it you know and it, it didn't take one year to get to this condition and it's not going to take one year to get out of it so i think you have to just be patient that's great advice. You do have to be paid. I look at my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you? But he just has that vision. Like he can see what it's going to look like when it's done. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't remember all this dirt. Like what is all in this, you know, in the spring when he starts planting and I'm like, especially with his little mini farm, I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, so anyway, tell us about something that grew well this year. Is it the tulips or? Oh, well, the tulips grew very well. Um, but I think in terms of vegetables, I really liked our cherry tomatoes. I'm not as good. I don't have as much success with the big tomatoes, but the cherry tomatoes, we can really get them coming up and they're so easy to use. You can use them in salads. You can use them. Uh, I make a, a, a simple sauce by cutting them up with some garlic and basil. Uh, I find my daughter likes to eat them just as a snack. I think they're the kind of plant, they don't take up a ton and ton of room, that if you plant them, if they grow well for you where you put them, they are really worth having because you can use them so many different ways. For sure. That's what we have the most luck with cherry tomatoes too. It's the big tomatoes that we have a hard time. We have, yeah, ripen. they take so long to ripen and sometimes other animals will come in that period. We have a big rabbit problem. Uh that I, I, I just don't think we're very successful with them. I know. There are so many rabbits on Long Island. It amazes me. They are reproducing like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> they are. All right. Well, how about something you're excited to do different next year or something new you want to try? I want to try and put in some more uh, flowers. I've I've tried to put in like a wild patch of flowers, and I just haven't gotten it. And I think I probably the issue is I have probably have to seed it in a pot or something first and then replant it. Uh, that's what I'd like to have is just a patch of wildflowers, which we don't have now. A patch of wildflowers. Uh, well, I've had the most luck with like perennials, like, um, well, we were talking about sage last night. Yes. Things like, like echinacea and, um, what are some of the other flowers that I have coming back? Butterfly flower, uh, which is like this big um, red kind of bloom with yellow. Uh, but Mike did, yeah, he does. You're right. He plants the seeds in pots and then we transplant them. Yeah, I think that's... In the spring. And they are they are kind of tricky to get to grow. You know what are easy are calendulas, and they're kind of like the dill, and they come oh. back kind of all over the place every year. They're always popping up in different years. And they're a good companion plant. They are good for... Um, you know, like tomatoes and peppers and things. Well, we'll have um, to try and They're them. really cute and pretty. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so, try yeah. Um, so how about something that didn't work so well? Was there something last year that didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to? You know, um, the fennel, I thought we, it, I just, it grows beautifully. Um, but it seems like a shame if you harvest it and then you pull it, it's a root vegetable so then it's gone. I've just been keeping it as a plant because it has that beautiful white flower uh, and it seems to draw bees. We're always looking for a plant that does that. And so the fennel, we originally planted it to eat, but we've just been keeping it as a plant. That's a good thing to know. I was just reading about, I've been trying to incorporate more fennel into my diet because I think it's really good for your, I don't know. I've been reading it is very good for your so digestion. It probably was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but interesting i didn't realize that yeah you do i guess you eat the bulb and then and then they're just gone huh yes so so that's why that seemed like i'd rather keep it as a plant and so i cut it down this year hoping it would come back up and my roses i've had i you know the roses were choked with this invasive vine and we got rid of it but uh i have i haven't gotten them completely trained up the trellis but i i know i'll get there so hey so you know what's an interesting companion fact that i was learning while i was researching my garden course book um roses love garlic and garlic wow. will help uh, keep the pests away and kind of helps tip. keep uh, the fungus issue down for some reason. And um, yeah, garlic and roses, which is like, you know, so opposite because roses smell so good. And yes, garlic... I was thinking that's funny because garlic is called the stinking rose. Yeah, I guess they grow really well together. Yeah, they I guess they grow really well plants. together. But maybe that's why they're that's called the stinking rose, but that's funny. Yeah. Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you that we created a Patreon page. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And just go to patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast. I went back in and changed the Patreon tiers again. So now it is um, you can donate. My brother was like, you're still asking for just way too much. He's like... It should be a dollar a month or two dollars a month. So I changed it. So it's like twelve dollars a year. Um, you can go in for a dollar a month. I, and pretty much, I think you can just if you just click on any of them, you can donate whatever amount you want. Um, and so it would just be huge if you could help. Um, when he found out how much I was paying for my website and stuff, he was just in shock. So um, you know, I I love my podcast, and I I certainly would. I was. I have to say, I'm surprised we're still going because I'm really struggling at this point. So, if there's anything you can do to help keep the show on the air, I know you get value from it because I've learned so much. Um, it would really help. So, like my brother said, if just 50 people could donate a dollar a month, that would really, really, really be huge in helping pay for the website. He was like, "What? You pay seventy-seven dollars a month just for the website?" And then there's a few other charges that, like I said, it comes out to about $100 a month that I've been putting out for going on four years now out of our own pockets. So um, it would just be huge if you could chip in. And now let's get to the root of things. Well, actually, we're already at getting to the root of things. So, like, um, do you have, like, a least favorite activity you got to force yourself to go out there and do? I know you were talking a little bit about weeding before. Is that it? Or is there something else? Or I think weeding is everybody's bugaboo. And also um, the clean-outs, right? The clean-out in the beginning of the year and the clean-out at the end of the year that take, you know, multiple days just to get the garden put to bed and then the clean-up in the spring. And I have five yards of mulch that has to be put down. So that's quite a lot of mulch. So what's helped me is having a wheelbarrow. I couldn't do it without a wheelbarrow. And if anybody's looking to buy a wheelbarrow, I would say, look at your backyard. And if you have any kind of a slope or you have any kind of rocks that have to go, you have to go over or bumpy surfaces, it's really worth getting a wheelbarrow with very big, brown tires and of course a dumping feature it's worth spending money on a wheelbarrow 
Have you got, I, the best thing I got, you know, it's interesting because like when I came up with my favorite tool, at first I thought it was a shovel, but then I changed it to a wheelbarrow. But we finally got a wheelbarrow that has like one of these flat free tires, you know, where it doesn't have air in it and it can't get a flat. And that's been a game changer for us. I've never gotten a uh, flat on my wheelbarrow yet. I hope you didn't curse me, Jackie. (laughs) No, I'm sure. I hope not. Uh, Yeah. A flat free tire so that's pretty handy we go through the wheelbarrows and we have like three or four of them because uh we use them a lot. mike's always hauling rocks hauling rocks hauling okay. rocks either rocks into the garden or rocks out of the garden you know we live in the rocky mountains so there's just rocks coming up out of the soil every year so um lots of that and then he likes to do a lot of stone work so so on the flip side what is your favorite activity to do in the garden harvesting vegetables (laughs) and also getting just going to cook something because we love to cook in our house and getting fresh herbs even uh we just had thanksgiving and christmas we used the sage from our garden it was wonderful you know to have that have a a taste of a fresh herb it adds so much to the flavor of food and uh, just seeing the look on my husband's face when we bring up the sage and he's like yes you know it's great that is the best part of being a gardener also, mm-hmm. the first tulips, the first signs that winter's over, and we got through another New York winter, and it's going to be spring, and every day is going to be better from here on in. That is another good day. <laughs> I know. My my family always laughs because they're like, you live in Montana. I'm like, I think New York is so cold. I hate New York winters. Like, I just, it's so windy, and there's the moisture in the air, and like, I don't know. It just, and then, well, my husband being the logger, my house is really hot. Like I spend most of my winter in a t-shirt in the house because it's a small house and we have a big wood stove and he's just into the wood. And so, yeah, I come here and I freeze. (laughs) Yes. So I know the New York winters, uh, what you mean there. And the ice, Um, yeah. So how about, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received? I was shown how to prune and I didn't understand it. And the person who was showing me uh, said, you don't understand how I want you to prune this. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't understand at all what you're doing. Cause they were trying to show me, I guess, where to cut down to. Uh, and then they said, you know what? That's okay. And when they said, you know what? That's okay. I realize it's okay to make mistakes in gardening and uh, you're not going to get everything hundred percent and that's okay. And that's an important thing for a perfectionist to hear that it's fine to make mistakes. It doesn't have, everything doesn't have to be done perfectly. Oh, that's so fascinating. Uh, And I'm so glad to hear that because I often feel like I don't know what the heck I'm doing when I'm pruning. And like, you know, my mom's like, she never goes anywhere without her little pruners. And she's always like, I love pruning and this and that. And, I don't really feel like, but she got me these Cutco pruners last year, Nicole. And I got to say that has been a game changer for one thing. It makes like cutting like thick lilac branches and just things like cutting through butter, the apple tree. It's just like amazing how sharp these things are and so easy to use. And also it just kind of like, I want to put a mailbox down in the garden. So the shears are just down there and they're, 
because they're so fancy. I want them to be well protected. And I'm like, I, we should put a mailbox down here where the little tools That's can be kept. That's a great idea. I know. Isn't a that a garden? Yep. Um, so because I did find myself wanting to prune more and deadhead more. And then I'm learning about the chop and drop with the cover crops where you just, you know, cut. Like I grew this crop of buckwheat last year. Wow. Um, for my raspberry bed. And when I was about to plant the raspberries, I'm going and I'm cutting, which was really hard for me to cut these beautiful blooms and everything. But I just kept going, I'm feeding the soil, I'm feeding the soil. But I got to say, my ham was like pretty sore from clipping those things by the end. But um, yeah, so hopefully it will be a project that works out. And my question, like I meant to ask you, like you said you put five yards of mulch. Like, do you do that? I thought you just did that the one time when you were. Yes, you do it just one time in the spring. And, and, uh, as soon as it's, but wait, one time in the spring, but do you do it every spring? Like I thought yes. you just did it the one time when you pulled that oh, thing no. out, you bring in five yards of mulch. Cause we had a five yard dump truck and I know what that means every year. Because and where do you get your mulch? What kind we, of mulch? Like wood we, chips or. We removed, uh, all those vines. We have this, uh, it's the length of our property, and it's probably about four feet deep. And I put mulch down there. I have some bushes. It's going to take a few years before it's actually like a you know full bush, uh, a hedge. But I put it there. I put it down um, where I have hostess. I have it all there. I have it. We ha- we seem to have a lot of borders for the size property we have, and I put it inside of all the borders, and it just keeps the weeds down. And I think it helps the plants too, um, because I th- I'm hoping it helps with the water and all that. Uh, so that's why we have so much mulch. I know there are people who won't use any mulch in their gardens, and there's some and there are people who swear by it, and I'm one of those people who swear by it mostly because it keeps down the invasive plants and because we had a problem with it once I just am overprotective about not having plants that I don't want in the garden. What So what are you using for mulch? Cause like Mike uses straw a lot. No, but we, I know people don't like straw because, um, animals, the animals yeah, yeah. Mice and voles can get into it, but I think it's chopped wood. It's, it's just a uh, commercial mulch. It's a product that you buy. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, like Suburban Long Islanders love it. <laughs> all, all our neighbors won't, so it's fine. Uh, it's almost like peer pressure. <laughs> but it's, it's used a lot, especially around, you know, the outsides of beds of uh, where, where you have, especially border plants. I do notice, like, when I look around my mom's neighborhood and we walked the dog like I, I you know since i've had my podcast i guess i it really stood out to me when i was here in june was how many of the yards like didn't seem to have weeds and they do they have all that mulch that's why we down it, yeah. and the weeds don't seem to come up and grow through there i'm like how come these people i never see them out weeding and like where are the weeds and like you know they have these bushes but then there's lots of dirt underneath them and and I'm it's always, covered so with that's mulch. what they're doing yeah, yeah. And that's why, because it keeps the weeding down and you can, and the plants that you want to grow, because plants, at least here, are very expensive. Um, They're an investment, too, in your home. Um, They will uh, do better. They're not competing with weeds, you know, so it's, and it looks better, too. Gives it a nice, finished look. 
Yeah. Well, Mike always, like, like I said, he's heavy on the mulcher. Like he, I don't know. He has like a system where like, you know, he plants his plants and then he lets the weeds get so high and then he takes them all out and then he goes in and covers everything with mulch. And then he has very little weed problem after that. But he puts it more, you know, in between like his vegetable beds. Um, and then, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Anyway, what's, so is your favorite tool, your wheelbarrow? Like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? I would definitely if you had take, to go over to Ireland. What would you do? Yeah. I would take, definitely want a wheelbarrow. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can use other things, other things in your home. Um, Cause when we moved here, we didn't have one gardening tool, not a hose, nothing. Um, but the one thing that I can't, I, you know, just moving things around the amount of movement that goes on in a garden. I don't think you understand till you actually do it. I think people see a garden and they see it as a very static, Oh, that just grew there, but they don't realize it had to be brought there. Everything that you see in the garden, including all the things that you sit in your garden and enjoy your garden in all have to be brought to the garden. And that's why I love the wheelbarrow. Also, I'm a small person and I can't lift a lot, so I really need it. Uh, yeah, I'm totally. And like Mike's load hog, like we had like one of those things you pull behind the lawnmower. Okay. And I just felt like that thing was worth so much more than the lawnmower. And for what it could haul, it was amazing, that thing. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, the lawnmower itself died, but um, the load hog, I miss that. That thing could haul stuff for sure. So how about a favorite recipe? Like what's your favorite recipe you like to cook from the garden or Andy likes to eat? or Eric Yes, to definitely eat. pesto. We love pesto. And I make pesto with the basil, uh, garlic, olive oil, and I'll use either pine nuts, which are quite dear, or I will use uh, walnuts. And uh, it's just delicious. We have a cold, sometimes warm, and it freezes very well. There's nothing better than if I can find a, a bag of pesto from the summer in my freezer. I get absolutely delighted. So I'd say that's the thing that we make the most. We've also, my husband's very good at making pickles. Um, we also uh, have made infused oils with basil. Um, and we've grown eggplant and peppers. Uh, so And that makes a delicious sauce. And the tomatoes, of course, there's so many things you could do with tomatoes, but the number one thing is the pesto. Mm, that sounds so good. Uh, how about, do you have a favorite in it? Like, do you do any research on the internet? No, <laughs> I'm more like I watch my neighbors. I ask my neighbors. It's funny because I use the internet for so many things, but I don't know why I've never been attracted uh, other than, and it's not a commercial for your podcast. Um, the using the internet. I, I guess it's something that I feel really is, it's a nice way to talk to your neighbor. You know, uh, my neighbor next door has a fig tree and it's, it really, sh and I think that's one thing we haven't touched on, which I have enjoyed about the garden is giving produce to my neighbors in a way to connect to my neighbors. So I, that's the way I kind of, and also my mother-in-law uh, who's from Ireland, who's the most incredible gardener. Uh, it's, I, I, enjoy gardening what i enjoy is talking to people a way to talk to people to share advice and to learn things and the computer just doesn't do it for me 
Interesting. I can relate. I my one that I have a hard time with is watching videos. I I just am a, I, I'm not a big yeah. YouTuber video watcher. Um, which is funny because truth be told, when I started, before I started this, I thought I was going to webinar on fire instead of podcasting on fire. And I went to oh. the wrong webinar because I thought Mike would teach people. I I did think he would teach people videos and I really thought it was going to be Mike's show and he was going to teach people how to garden and that they it would be videos. And I was on the wrong webinar, but I bought into the podcasting thing. I was like, well, it comes with, you know, a six month or whatever 30-day guarantee if i don't like it and i've been sunk ever i mean i I love it ever since i've been hooked but um yeah it's funny that way but uh hey maybe you can connect me with eric's mom maybe because i do have a lot of listeners in ireland you do um yeah it's amazing connected to Uh, to eric's mom yeah no definitely yeah big gardeners so they are big gardeners um, and what's amazing about ireland how difficult relative to here I think it is to garden there and what they're managed to do and the other thing is they don't have like on Long Island um, you know that a lot of times when you drive by somebody's beautiful garden it's it's not them doing it it's a landscaping company right so much of gardening unfortunately on Long Island is done through landscaping companies and that's why we have such a pesticide problem because the landscapers want to use pesticides because it's easy and therefore cheap or, you know, than the actual human labor to take rid of the weeds and everything else. Uh, but in Ireland, they don't have that. Everybody's a home gardener, and the, she's a big pop, pot. She uses pots to garden, and uh, she's just – and the kind of things that grow in Ireland that you wouldn't expect. So they have palm trees, and they have a lot of tropical plants for, for whatever reason um, – there are areas that the climate lends themselves to that, which you wouldn't expect in Ireland. And the other no. thing that they have a lot of is rain. And so how they manage to grow so much with the rain, because, you know, sometimes too much rain can be just as hard as too little rain. So I'm always very impressed when I go to see her garden. I just saw it last summer. And the artichokes there were the largest I'd ever seen. In my, I mean, some of them looked like they were at least eight, nine, maybe a foot across these huge, beautiful artichokes. Um, which they don't really eat. <laughs> they use them more as like a flowering plant, which is funny to me. But um, yes, she'd be a great person to talk to. I'll have to get you the information. And I'll talk to her first and then, uh, yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. my mom loves artichokes. Uh, that would be fun to learn how to I'll grow have to send you. I'll have to send you I've never pictures. seen an artichoke plant now that I think about it. They're incredible. They are so large versus what you get in the grocery store there because they're not growing them to eat maybe they let them come into their full size and they were so large this summer i'll have to send you pictures yeah that'd yeah. be great yeah. how about well do you have like a book or a magazine or anything you can recommend or no <laughs> other than i enjoyed and this is going to sound ridiculous but i did enjoy the journal that you made and the idea of keeping uh a, a gardening journal. I journal myself, but I never thought of keeping a gardening journal. And I thought it was interesting. And it makes sense to do that um, because you, you can't remember exactly when you did something the year before or how long you did this for. Um, but uh, no, <laughs> I really am learning by talking to people. And I think that's a good way to learn too. Well, I absolutely. So like in my garden 
course, like chapter three is all about building relationships and talking to your neighbors and learning from your neighbors. And, and, you know, because so many of my guests have said that's where they learn the most. And sharing produce. I think that's a big part of gardening. Um, you know, uh, one neighbor, he loves cucumbers and we'll have a very good cucumber year. We'll give him all the cucumbers we can. And he always returns it with tomatoes and eggplant. I really do think it could be used you know, to build a community in, in the suburbs. I mean, right in urban areas, they have community gardens. Uh, we even have them in the suburbs where there's a community garden in my church, which is very, very active. But I think, you know, one of the benefits of, of gardening should be that it builds positive interaction with your neighbors. Oh, that's lovely. Well, we're at the final question already. Okay. So Nicole, yes. If there was one change you'd like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? As an elementary school teacher, of course, I have to say, I wish there was more effective gardening programs in the school uh, because a lot of the children I teach live in apartments and they share one house and so they don't have the opportunity to garden and the only experience they could get with get doing it would be if our school had one now we did put in uh through the heroic efforts of primarily one teacher a garden but not like a vegetable garden where the kids get to eat what they grow and I'd love to see the support on some kind of level, whether it's federal or uh, state. And there's so many issues with um, just when we, when we have this community garden, like giving the key to let get into it and getting the funding and getting the commitment. It's a huge project that would require a lot of resources. And it may be something simpler as uh, just having field trips of, for students to our local community gardens because we do have quite a few where I am and one very close to the school and maybe that's the best way that uh, if they could children like could, close enough they could walk not walk but they could take a, a school bus that we already have uh, during the day for yeah, an hour but then you gotta have a bus driver and... yes but that's still better than doing nothing um, sure and oh, yeah. we go to other places and I feel like it's as oh. valuable an experience as some of the other field trips that children go on. Uh, I think every child should get a chance to go to the library and every child should get a chance to see a community garden or any kind of a garden, you know, because I do ask children and a farm uh, basic questions and they don't understand the life cycle of plants and, and the way we have, we teach them using books and photographs isn't really the best way. Yeah. It's not the same to touch and I know they, they work if the kids can like have a practical hands-on experience if they've been to the garden then they see it in a book but if they just see it in a book it's kind of like a fantasy thing that they can't really you can't really relate to it and you get yeah. you get the sense of time of the recycling of the seeds becoming a plant dying and then becoming seeds again yeah you know they they have to see the full cycle of it you know what I was going to ask you, because like, this is one of my big things that's driving me. Well, do your kids eat at school? I mean, you have, yes. you have lunch at school. Yes. And so it just, I keep thinking you're buying this five yards of mulch or five, what was it? it was five, five yards. yards. Yeah. And, um, 
and like it's just killing me like when i go into the cafeteria and i see all this food going into the garbage like i would haul as much home as i could and mike's like i really miss the tubs of compost you were bringing home and that was you just my one little food? classroom wow you used to do that Wow. I could, I can't, I can't throw compost. It's, it's just like this thing to me. It's like throwing gold it, to me, throwing carrot skins and fruit peels in the garbage. It's just like me throwing money in there because we spend so much money on soil mm. and food and compost. And so to me, so when it, anytime I'm in a classroom, I keep a bucket on the counter. It doesn't smell. It's set there, you know, all week. I would take it home on Friday. If we had an enormous amount of it, maybe I'd take it to my apartment on Wednesday and bring another bucket down. But I always, and so, but I just like, it drove me crazy. I would go into the lunchroom and I'd just be like, why are we not saving this compost? Why are we not saving this compost? But figuring out, a, I don't know. I just could never figure out a way to get it to go. But like, it seems like, you know, do you think about well, it like that? Well, kind of thing? one thing you will, if you talk to my uh, mother-in-law, when you go to Europe, especially Ireland, the way they recycle versus the way we recycle here. They literally sort every scrap of garbage and they do compost like, uh, you know, the whole it's required to now basically all the food scraps have to go in a separate container and they're they're doing it not on an individual level, but on a community level. And it's amazing. I don't know if in the States it would work or at least where I live where it would work because of our raccoons and all our critters, but uh, they're doing it. So it's funny that you mentioned, I, I guess it can. Well, I don't know. You know, Waldorf's right behind my mom's and they've got three giant compost bins right back there. I see them all the time when I'm visiting her. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I think if you, and like where we are in Montana, I'm like, if animals were going to get into the compost, they would get into ours and they don't seem to get into it. The chickens occasionally will go peck around in there, but, um, we really don't have a problem. And occasionally a skunk will get into the eggshells. Okay. But for the most part, they really don't get it. I don't know. But I have heard that. My mom's very, cause, like, she actually buries all of her food scraps. She, like, goes out in the back and digs this hole in the dirt. And I'm like, Mom, you need to, like, get your landscaping guy to save the grass clippings. You get great full, like Mike's always like, I wish I could get more leaves because we don't have a lot of deciduous trees in our place. Just a few apple trees. And he's always like, I wish I could get more leaves. And she's got all these leaves. I'm like, mom, you could, but I don't know. She used to, when we were kids, I mean, she's the one that taught me how to do it, but now I I don't know. Their compost bin, something came apart. So now she just buries it in the ground, which is, good but it's um to me it's a challenge i'm like oh can't we just go throw it in the back <laughs> she just looks at me and she's like oh my god how do we have all this compost we eat so many vegetables she's like lettuce lettuce are we really having another salad <laughs> <laughs> well you it's know fun, um but... compost it really is probably going to be best handled when it's part of the recycling and when you think about oh. all the years growing up that we didn't recycle and, sure uh now it's not strange to us at least even on long island to separate you know our cans and our plastics and our paper and so it's it's the next step definitely we'll be composting they just have to figure out how to do it but they i think we're heading towards it i did see a huge article in the times once uh when i was here in june about um 
you know, restaurants in the city where people were like, you know, wanting to compost their utensils and their salad stuff. And like, um, you know, there's all these, and I did talk to that, this guy from a restaurant called dig in that they have that are growing like, you know, these healthier food, farm to table places and people are interested in it. So, um, it's good to see, well, every, my listeners know, I love the millennials and I'm always like, Oh, that's the millennials. That's the millennials (laughs) doing that. So, um, well, I always say it's, we're like the worst of times, best of times for food, uh, growing, whatever you want to say, because we have so much processed food and so much food that's chemically based. And yet, on the other hand, we've never been in this country with such a better understanding of organic food and the importance of uh, food to table. And so it's like when you go into a grocery store, it's so polarized between convenience food, processed food, frozen food, uh, and yet another part of the store you have the organic food the natural food the health food so it's it's really very polarized i would say where we are yeah you know you're right same thing with restaurants right you've never been able to get so much convenience drive-through processed food and yet also if you want it and you're able to afford it you can get organic farm to table uh, high quality you know, wild fish, all of that. It's just unfortunately still very much determined by price point. Yeah, for sure. That's what the, for me, that's what the dividing factor is. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm so blessed that I think that Mike grows as much as of our yes. food because otherwise my, and like I said, I'm part rabbit. So, uh, certainly I eat a ton of vegetable and I think that's what keeps me healthy that even though I am kind of overweight, I do exercise fairly regularly and then I get to eat all this healthy food is what's knock on wood. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yep. Me, uh, there. So anyway, anything else that we didn't touch on that we were going to touch on? Cause no, just to reiterate that I think as a parent, um, we worry so much about doing that our children aren't exposed to negative things that I think we forget to spend an equal focus on exposing them to positive things. So we're, we're so consumed with them not being too much screen time, but that only works if you have positive outlets for the children to do. And I think a garden can be a great one of those things where you could get the child off the screen and bring them outside and have them dig, you know? Um, so the, I think I came into gardening late at a great time when I had a young child uh, and my husband was so positive and supportive of it uh, and also feeling it was very important for Andy to get outside and actually touch the earth, you know, and grow things. Aww. I think that was perfect. Well, thank you so much for thank sharing you. with thank me you on your vacation me. and everybody. And I just know listeners are really going to love everything you shared. You just dropped tons of golden seeds. And um, this was a great interview. And I think it's going to inspire a lot of people that are like, wow, well, you know, I it's not too late to start. And never know, take too late. things slowly and just slowly. Um, look at what you did with getting out this invasive er, uh, weed and yeah five year timetable you know i think that's a much better than i'm gonna have a garden in one year yep long time table and that's okay cool you and i are the opposite i'm like so far from a perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) i'm like the i'm like the total other end of the spectrum i'm like ah good enough it's good enough the world needs both the world needs both (laughs) cool well thanks nicole You. you have a great day you too Take care.
Hey everyone, so I just want to remind you that we created a Patreon page, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and just go to patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast. Um, you can donate $8 per episode, which would hopefully get me back to two fresh episodes a week. And I know that you've learned from this podcast. I know it gives out great value. And so if you want to see it, keep going and share it with other people. I could really use your help just paying the basics. Um, you know, cost me at least $100 to keep this show up on the internet for hosting and the website and um, the calendar and just all the things that help keep it going together. There's also the Green Future Grower Book Club, if you're interested in joining that, for $10 a month, which would be amazing. We're going to go through books like the Elliot Coleman, um, you know, New Organic Gardener or Jean Martin Fortier's Market Gardener book or Lisa Ziegler's Cool Flowers. There's the John Jevons book, the um, Florette or Lynn Bazinski's Flower books like... Um, I already love the humus one. I think I'll do a much better job with this study group. So once a month, we'll be picking a different book and we can talk about how it relates to your garden. Only $10 a month to join that. We'll meet on a Zoom or a Google Hangout and it will be just an amazing extended learning section. So I know I haven't done much to promote this, but please support our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast that's patreon.com forward slash organic gardener podcast thanks again for listening and remember grow local